Welcome to Maths Talk by AMC, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. Or, in this case, where our conversations in maths become part of sanity in your home. My name's Leanne McMahon. I'm an outreach officer with AMC Schools. And in this episode, I've decided to ask my colleagues who are very experienced teachers what activity they would do if they were stuck at home with a group of kids. I think we'll end up covering from about year two all the way up to about year 10. So hopefully there'll be something for everyone here. Hi, my name is Anna Bock. I'm a Schools Outreach Officer with AMSI. I've been working in maths education for over 10 years, so I'm very passionate about students enjoying and learning maths. One activity I have used often is called Today's Number. I choose a number. It can be a one-digit, two-digit or three-digit number and so on. And it's very dependent on the number range of the students. When you're at home, it might be a good idea to get your child to make that number using counters or blocks or whatever you have at home first. And then once the number has been made, I ask them to impress you with everything that they know about that number. So some of the ways they might do that is to draw a picture of how much that number is or its quantity. They could write it in words or show it on a number line. They could show all the different ways to make that number. And if your child is stuck on finding ways, you can prompt them by just asking them some questions. So, you know, if they're really stuck, oh, could you write it in words? Could you put it on a number line just to prompt them? This is a great activity to use over and over. And you will find that your child's ability in representing numbers in different ways increases over time. And they become more confident with representing numbers as well. So enjoy working on today's number activity. Hi, my name is Cassandra Lowry and I'm one of the outreach officers for AMSI Schools. My background is in primary teaching and I've had experience in working in schools in Melbourne and in the Hunter Valley region of New South Wales. My tip for parents would be around picture storybooks. Now, you don't need to go out and buy special mathematics books for your children. Most good literature can be used to investigate mathematics problems. Think about a story like Harry McLeary. You can use that for counting. How many dogs are at the start? How many dogs are in the middle? How many dogs are at the end? The Cat in the Hat. It's a great book for location words. Describe the location of the fish. Describe the location of the rake, etc. The Gruffalo, another favourite of mine. It's great for ordinal numbers. What was the first animal the Gruffalo saw? What was the second animal? Really, any picture story book can be a maths book. The important thing is to read and to enjoy talking about the books of your children. Happy reading, everyone. My name's Marcus Garrett. I'm an AMC Schools Outreach Officer. I have teaching experience at secondary level in business studies and economics and also teaching experience at primary level. And I specialised in maths and science at primary level by looking after maths extension and enrichment groups and parts of the maths program in the school I worked in. I also have taught lots of maths lessons from foundation all the way through to year 10 over the past five years during my experience as an AMC Schools Outreach Officer, doing lots of modelled lessons. 
The activity that I reckon I'd like to focus on would be primarily for teenagers, I guess probably around the age groups 13 through to 16. Often uh, younger teenagers are a bit hard to engage in mathematics and often that's because they don't always see how maths applies to the real world. And so the activity that I would probably do with those guys does a couple of things. Firstly, it shows how different areas of mathematics actually relate to one another. And secondly, it's an area of mathematics that has some really cool applications in the real world. So the first thing I get them to do is uh, either jump in front of a computer or pull out their smartphones and uh, look up a car buying website. So, you know, carsales.com.au or, or another site similar to that. It could be Gumtree or any, any site that you'd be able to buy a car from. And the reason for that is what we're going to explore in this activity is the relationship between two variables, the way that one impacts on the other, and we can actually graph that and then describe that using an algebraic expression. But I wouldn't mention that to the kids to start with. What I do to start with is say, okay, what I want you guys to do is I want you to look for a particular model of car. So get them to choose what kind of car they'd like to buy if they had if they were able to buy a car. Make it realistic, you know, don't don't have them buying Lamborghinis or Porsches, but you know, maybe like a little Mazda 2 or something like that, a basic model that would be suitable for a teenager. The idea then is that they look up that particular model of car on the car buying website and set the date parameters for a used car. So for example, say, okay, I only want you to look at this particular model of car for the years, for example, 2016 to, uh, through to 2010. And then basically do a search within the local area that they live in. What we then do is we have a look at two bits of data on those car ads that get listed, that, that come up on the phone. The first is the price of the car. And then the second is the odometer reading. So how far the car has traveled for that range of used car in that particular model. And basically record, I don't know, 20, maybe 30 uh, data sets. So the price of the car, the odometer reading, the price of the car, the odometer reading, the price of the car, the odometer reading, put that in a little table. And then you can actually either, if you're really keen, use Microsoft Excel if, you, if you're confident with that, or alternately just draw up a really simple graph and graph those data points. Just use dots. So for example, on the uh, y-axis, on the vertical axis, you would have the price of the vehicle. And on the x-axis, you would have how far the vehicle has traveled. And of course, you plot the dots, they'll be a bit all over the place. But generally what you'll notice is, of course, the further the cars travel, the cheaper the car is going to be. So there's a negative relationship between price and odometer reading. As odometer reading goes up, price tends to go down. Not always, but often. Once you've got those data points on, on your graph, you say to the kids, what do you notice? And hopefully they'll pick up that kind of pattern. Now, what we're actually technically talking about here is a bivariate analysis. It's actually looking at or a dependent and an independent variable, so two things that rely on each other, generally speaking. And and we're trying to describe some kind of relationship. Now, the cool thing in Excel is you can, you can actually get Excel to find a line of best fit through that data. 
and then ask Excel to give you a, an algebraic expression that describes that line of best fit. But if you don't want to do that, you can just do it by sight. So just have a look and, and just do a, a rough half the dots above the line and half the dots below the line. That's a good way to do it. And, and you're going to have like a, a linear relationship described through those data points, not, not completely through because some will be above the line and some below. But the cool thing is that generally kids can see that there's a negative relationship between price and odometer reading. What they've just done there is a really simple linear analysis of the price of a used car compared to how far it's traveled. And then you can say, well, this is useful because generally speaking, looking at that line, any of the vehicles which are actually below the line potentially are good value if you're just considering how far the car's traveled. Any above that line are potentially not such good value. There's obviously other things that affect the price of the car, but they can straight away see how this really simple piece of graphical mathematics is useful in the real world. Now, if you want to explore that in more detail, there's a unit of work on the AMSI Schools Calculate website. If you just uh, go to calculate.org.au and type in linear relationships, the unit of work will pop up and you can download a whole unit of work for your teenagers and also a teacher booklet. It's a fun way of showing how maths actually can be really practical and really useful. And you know, the actual mathematics part of this is the link between statistics, so graphing, and algebra. So that would be uh, an activity I would do with my teenagers and get them to explore the way that that kind of mathematical analysis can be used in a very practical and useful way in buying a used car. Fractions are often approached with fear by many students. I've heard them say, oh, I'm not good at fractions, or fractions are hard, or I hate fractions. We want them to feel confident and enjoy learning about fractions. One activity I've used often in classrooms, I ask them to impress me with everything they know about a half. What I'm looking for when I ask them this is whether they can show half of a shape, whether they can show me half of a collection. I want to see that they can write a half in words and as a number, and whether they can place a half on a number line. I want to see whether each half is exactly the same size because that tells me whether they understand that the parts have to be the same or equal. Can they show what half a bucket of water would look like or half a glass of water? What would that look like? Now, if your child struggles with how they can show a half, just prompt them with these questions. Can you show me half of a shape? Can you show me half of a collection? Can you write half in words? Or can you write half as a number? Can you put a half on a number line? By asking these questions, it will help you to see what your child understands about fractions. Some children will be able to complete this task with ease. My next question for them would be, what would three halves look like? or just change the fraction to what would three quarters look like? When working with your child at home, try to ask them questions rather than telling them. By asking the questions, we'll find out what they already know 
and get them to explain their thinking. You might be surprised by what they tell you. Enjoy. Hi, Leanne here. My activity is aimed mostly at year seven and eights, but I've used it from year four all the way to year 10. It's an activity that involves algebra, graphing, and a number of mathematical principles. So hopefully it'll be useful to some of you. What I ask students to do is look at patterns. Now I'm going to provide in the show notes a whole lot of different patterns. I start usually with three blocks in an L shape. And then the next step in the pattern, so that's step one. The next step in the pattern is those three blocks with one added to the top and one added to the side. And then the next part, one in the pattern, another one added to the top and another one added to the side. So it's a fairly simple pattern and it's very easy to see how it's growing. When we're looking at these patterns, we want to represent that pattern in five ways, ideally. Those five ways are drawing the pattern, describing the pattern verbally, using a chart, using an equation, and graphing the pattern. Now I'm going to explain how I would do this in a lesson. So first of all, I would have those three examples that I just mentioned and call them step one, step two, step three. Then I would ask my child to draw step four and maybe step five. From there, I'd ask them how they see that pattern growing. Get them to describe it verbally. So you've already discussed the first two points that I've mentioned. So they've drawn it and they have described how it's growing verbally. So the next step is to say, well, what would step 10 look like? What would step 50 look like? What would step 100 look like? And we can start to represent these in a chart. So across the top, put the step number, one, two, three, four, five, etc., And then across underneath, so step one in this case has three blocks. Step two has five blocks. Step three has seven blocks. Step four has nine blocks. And that really helps the student work out what the pattern is and what is going to come next and perhaps predict later on. So then we can start looking at an equation. And this is where we get into the later years, this seven, eight and beyond. Although don't limit it to these year levels. I've had the year threes be able to tell me what the equation is. They've said, oh look, if you double the number and then add one, we can work out how many blocks there are going to be. That is to me saying the equation. It's the same as saying two X plus one. So now we come to plotting our graphs. I suggest you do this on graph paper. The students can struggle with this. So give them a hand with their scales and how to label their axes. So across the bottom, always put your independent variable, which is the item number. So one, two, three, four, etc. on that x-axis. On the y-axis, that is the vertical axis, put the number of blocks. Sometimes plotting the graph is actually easier than determining the equation, especially if it's not a straight line. And there's no reason why it has to be a straight line graph. It's gonna be harder for the students to determine what the equation is, but if 
they can just use those points. They can then use it to predict, is that graph going in a regular pattern? And can I predict what's going to be next? So I find that really useful. Now, when your student has had experience with a number of these linear patterns, they're going to find a shortcut in creating equations. Don't show them shortcuts. Ask them to work out their own shortcuts because that way they stick and the understanding is there. Please go to the link on our Calculate website for more information about this and for some fantastic patterns. Hi, Cassandra here again. This time my tip is around playing board games. Now, I've heard a lot of things recently suggesting that the best way to make board games more challenging is to use more dice or to use bigger dice with larger numbers. I actually heard a really good tip from David Butler from the University of Adelaide. He suggests rather than using more dice, you just change one rule. That is, when you roll the dice, you can either move forward or move backwards. Think about a common game like snakes and ladders. If you roll a six, you can move forwards and maybe end up on a snake. Or you can roll a six and move backwards and possibly land on a ladder and thus improve your position overall. This kind of idea really modifies the strategy and problem solving involved in the game. My advice is to play a game that your family enjoys. Think about ways that you can modify the rules to make it more challenging and more engaging for everybody. And maybe you can even think about sharing some of these rules with your friends and family. Whatever you do, it's about having fun. So grab the board games, grab some dice and see what new strategies and challenges that you can create. All the best. You've been listening to Maths Talk by AMC Schools. My name's Leanne McMahon, and I'd like to thank my fellow outreach officers, Marcus, Cass, and Anna, for their fabulous insights into what they'd be doing at home with a bunch of kids. Thanks for Maths Talking with me today, guys. The podcast notes from today's episode can be found on the AMSI Schools teacher support website, Calculate. You can find some useful links and resources for teachers, parents, and students. Please follow us on Twitter at AMSI Schools or Facebook by searching for Choose Maths. And don't forget to join Cass Lowry on Twitter for Maths Talk. Just use the hashtag Maths Talk, 8 o'clock on Thursday night, Sydney and Melbourne time. Thanks for joining us. Bye.